You're in the Freedom Hut. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest from Buck at BuckSexton.com. All the crises we see playing out with this Biden administration, and one part of it that you have to remember is that they have no plan to deal with any of this, right? They're, they're not good at fixing things. Not only are they causing the crises, but they don't respond well to the crises. What's the answer to, we're worried about inflation. Oh, don't worry. It'll just be a, a little temporary inflation. Oh, how are you going to stop people from flooding across the border? Oh, no big deal. We'll just build more facilities for all the people illegally crossing and then release them even faster in the United States. Right? When you understand that they don't view the end state here the same way you do, it all becomes so much more clear. I am worried uh, about the economy these days, and you know that, but there's also still a lot of opportunity out there, especially if you're in the markets. I've got friends who are talking about a melt-up thesis where you're in the last months of a, of a crazy, frenzied run, and you can make a lot of money in that, right? Well, you've got to talk to my buddies at Carnivore Trading. All you have to do is sign up, and you'll see what the several key indicators are that make them think that some of the biggest profits are going to come in Wall Street sectors that a lot of experts are missing. Carnivore Trading is an elite squad of strategists, and they influence major Wall Street investors. I'm getting text messages from them all day long, and I'm taking action based upon what I know these guys at Carnivore are doing. I want the best, and so that's why I go with Carnivore. I mirror their trades with my discount broker. You can do the same. Remember, a lot of their trades crush the S&P 500. It's pretty routine for them to do so. They guarantee you'll earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. It's just a subscription. You pay it monthly. They text you their trades that they're making. You follow their trades. You get that upside. Five X your monthly fee is what they guarantee just by mirroring their trades. The market looks to be on the verge of a big upswing here. Get off the sidelines and mirror Carnivore's trades today. You can get two weeks of this service free. Just go to GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. When the Trump administration negotiated the Remain in Mexico agreement, the numbers plummeted. Now, the Remain in Mexico agreement didn't magically end poverty in the Northern Triangle. The Remain in Mexico agreement didn't magically cause the cartels, they're committing horrific acts of crimes in the Northern Triangle, to disappear. What the Remain in Mexico policy did is it was an agreement with the government of Mexico that people who crossed illegally, primarily from the Northern Triangle, from Central America through Mexico, that they would remain in Mexico while their U.S. asylum cases were proceeding. And it was an incredible success. Frankly, the success exceeded any reasonable expectations. The numbers plummeted and they stayed low. They stayed low month after month after month after month. It was a success. Now you suddenly see the numbers skyrocketing. It wasn't suddenly poverty returned to the Northern Triangle. It wasn't suddenly these vicious murdering cartels rediscovered they were vicious murdering cartels. What happened is Joe Biden put his hand on the Bible and put his right hand in the air and repudiated the policies that were working, ripped that international agreement to shreds, and that caused the spike. That is the one and only cause. Biden cause and effect, friends. When we're talking about the border, it couldn't be more clear. And the senator from Texas, Senor Cruz, SN Fuego, he gets it. He sees it. He knows. He understands as a Texan and as a constitutional lawyer and senator 
exactly what happened here. But anybody who's been paying attention, anyone who's honest about this, knows that the Biden administration is the reason why we had close to 180,000 people apprehended last month at our southern border. 180,000 people. Remember, there are also all the gotaways, hundreds and hundreds a day, sometimes a thousand a day. And those are individuals who are just getting across the border and not getting caught that we know about. Think about the smuggling that goes on. Think about the human trafficking, the cartel activity that Border Patrol and ICE don't even know about. That's also going on. It's a mess. It's a disaster. And it is the clear and direct result of the Biden administration essentially ringing the dinner bell in America and saying, who wants free food? We all see it. We get it. We know what happened here. Skip the immigration line, claim asylum at the border. It works. It works for people who cross illegally, those who don't want to go through our actual process. And so they're going to keep doing it. Cause and effect. This is reality. This is what is happening. Why did the remain in Mexico policy work so well? See, this goes to the heart of the essential, uh, the, the fundamental lie that Democrats were telling during the Trump administration about what was happening at the border. Their narrative was these are all asylum seekers and they know if they go home, they will be subject to uh, political or, or criminal persecution, violence and And essentially, it's it's a question of safety, right? Asylum exists for people who, if they don't get access into a place like the U.S., are are likely to face severe harm and or be killed and perhaps their families as well. So it's really a sacred thing. It's really goes to the uh, the core of our humanitarian impulse for our, our fellow human beings. Asylum in these cases is being abused. And you have to understand that the people who are claiming asylum, who are sometimes even reading off a sheet of paper, I have a credible fear of violence in my home country of insert the blank. They are posing as those who would jump off a ship, you know, within sight of America, knowing that if they were taken back to their home country, they may be tortured and killed. They're posing as those people and they are not those people. There is no reason for them not to go through our legal immigration system other than it's arduous, it's annoying, it's time-consuming. But if everybody just decides they're not going to do it, we don't have an immigration system anymore. So why did the Remain in Mexico policy work so well? The numbers make this very clear. It's because the, the moment you took out this this loophole policy that was started really just for kids who are at the border that you will take people in and they can claim defensive asylum and say, oh, no, I know I cross in your country illegally, but if I go home, I'm going to be subject to persecution and violence. They they said that's what was going on. It was not true in hundreds of thousands of cases. They were just economic migrants seeking better job opportunities and stuff. And I always say this. I do not begrudge people this. I understand why they want this. And that, they, you know, that doesn't make anybody worthy of of criticism or or thinking any any less of them. 
But we can't have everyone just breaking our laws and forgetting that we have an immigration process or else do we even have sovereignty as a country? You know, if Democrats really want to keep going down this pathway, which I think, unfortunately, they do, they're going to have to eventually argue for why do we even have an immigration system? What's the point of it? If everyone gets to stay, why do we pretend that anyone doesn't get to stay? Remain in Mexico made it so that you could not, and the Trump administration figured this out, you could not immediately gain access into the U.S. by crossing illegally at the southern border and then game the system by either not showing up or just or you can show up and then not show up for your next hearing. I mean, there's all these different phases. Gaming the system did not get you what you wanted if if once remain in Mexico rent went into effect, because now you actually had an a, a entry into the U.S., for an asylum hearing, and if it did not go the way of the individual who wanted asylum, they were immediately subject to deportation back across the southern border. So it took out the loophole, essentially. Real asylees, sure, they, they, would, they could be granted the right to stay in the U.S. forever. I mean, people that you know, were speaking out against MS-13 in a newspaper in Honduras or something, I mean, there are people who should get asylum, under our laws, but those with phony asylum claims no longer were able to exploit a weak seam in the system. What did the Biden team do when they came in? Kick that weak seam as hard as you can, break it wide open, and this is the result. And Ted Cruz knows it. You know it. I know it. Play 19. Kamala Harris has been to the Canadian border as vice president but not the southern border. The last I checked, we don't have a crisis of thousands of Canucks coming south across the border. This is a dereliction of duty. It is deliberate, and they don't intend to fix it. They don't intend to fix it because they have promised the radicals they will have open borders and they will not enforce our laws, and that is endangering the people of my home state of Texas. It's endangering people all across the country. It is unacceptable. It is inhumane. And it's wrong. All true. This is the kind of fire in the belly that we need from Republicans on this issue, on on all the swirling crises now around the Biden administration. They want people to think that everything's under control. They want you to believe that good old Amtrak Joe is the engineer. and We just have to sit on the train and he'll make the choo choo go in the right direction. That's just not the case. He was never up for this job. He's not up for this job. He won't be up for it. But they were able to use him in the moment for their purposes of achieving power and defeating Trump. And now we are stuck with the result. The left doesn't want the border to be secure. They don't even talk about border security anymore. That was just a talking point they used in the past to pretend that there was some common ground so that they could continue the incremental chipping away of our actual border security and get us to this point where now we have a de facto open border. And they know that over the long run, this has enormous political implications that benefit the Democrat Party. So that's why this is happening. We have to first understand the, the fundamental reality of these situations and particularly of the southern border before we can get back to how about fixing it? Senator Martha Blackburn of Tennessee has introduced uh, the reinstating, essentially, the Trump policies. 
the Trump era migrant protection protocols. She's saying, let's do it. The Migrant Protection Protocols Mandatory Act is what it is called. This bill would require migrants without proper documentation to stay in Mexico. This is just bring back remain in Mexico. This would fix the problem. There would still be unaccompanied minors. See, I actually know how this works. There would still be unaccompanied minors coming across the border, but not the family units, not the, you know, the individuals who are claiming defensive asylum. So you would cut this down dramatically. You'd see an 80, 90 percent reduction in the first month or two, in my opinion, of the reintroduction, a reintroduction rather of this protocol. And yet who wants to place a bet whether the Biden administration will do this or not? They will do nothing to secure the border. They're going to keep on waving in as many people who break our laws as they can until the midterms really get in sight. And then they'll pose as reasonable to avoid the judgment of that sane center of America that is still persuadable that Joe Biden is an ignorant old buffoon. Look, in a little over 100 days, we went from a secure border to crisis. We went from energy independence to lines at the pump. And now we went from peace in the Middle East to hundreds of rockets fired by terrorists on our best ally, actually over a thousand rockets being fired on our best ally, Israel. This is exactly what happens, as you said, when we project weakness from the Oval Office. It is not a good situation, but the American people see it for what it is, and that's why they're demanding change. And I think as we look ahead, frankly, you're going to see the Republicans take back the House next year because of all the turmoil they see coming as a result of this administration's policies. I hope Jim Jordan is right about what will happen. He's certainly right about his assessment of what is happening in terms of the Biden administration. And it's not remember, these are not just crises that it seems like the Biden team can't handle. But they're also, in some cases, clearly either caused by the Biden decision-making apparatus, which is not just Joe Biden, as you know, there are all these puppeteers around him who make the little marionette or the the old kind of decrepit marionette dance around, uh, but also in response to just Biden being the president. That's certainly pushing, for example, uh, uh, some of the, the wolves around the world, terrorist organizations, the Iranians, what we see going on now with with Hamas, pushing them to take more action than they would under a Trump administration. As I've said all along, there's something to be said for a guy who is a little bit unpredictable. I'm always reminded of the line in Tombstone where they say, uh, where they say, let's keep Doc, meaning Doc Holliday, on the street howitzer, the shotgun. They'll be a little less jumpy that way. Essentially, you want to give your guy the, you know, you, you want your machine gunner to be somebody who isn't afraid to use it. You know what I mean? And with Trump, you have a situation where or you had a situation where enemies recognized an unpredictability and also an an aggressiveness that could have been an aggression that could have been an issue for them had they transgressed against America with Biden. You know, he wants to get us back in deep with the Iranians. You know, he wants to create a, a phony, a phony Iran deal pox Irania which is not going to actually work out in our favor in the long run. But nonetheless, they don't know how to fix these things. And in fact, on the gas crisis, another thing that's come up this week, it's more the response from the Biden team than it is anything they've 
they did to get us to this point, although they did cancel the Keystone XL pipeline, which goes to the mentality of fossil fuel is somehow bad. And here is what um, here is what uh, Biden says about this gas crisis. Play 17. I'd also point out that I think what this shows is that uh, I think we have to uh, make a greater investment in education as it relates to being able to train and graduate more people proficient in cybersecurity. Yeah, that's a that's a really good answer to the crisis. Let's let's have an initiative to have more cybersecurity people graduating from schools. Look, it's very likely that however this uh, this intrusion came about, it was probably probably uh, engineer social engineering of some kind or, or a usage of human error to get access into the system. I don't think that's going to solve it. But you know what the government could do is have greater redundancy and 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 essentially understand that our energy infrastructure is fossil fuel based see they they don't want to accept that they want to take us to a place where we're we're phasing out pipelines we're phasing out fossil fuels natural gas all these things because they believe oh by 2050 we're going to be you know carbon neutral whatever it is i mean the dates come on the, the dates will change a million times between now and when we actually get to 2050 all the numbers will shift that's what they'll have to do because it will not be what they say it will be it's not going to work the way they say it will work and yet what is their what is their approach to all of this to talk about how we need investments in green energy and to say that we need more help with cyber. I have to tell you, I think this is absurd, but get ready for this uh, administration to have all the support of the hack journal media that spent three years, give or take, because really they, then they focused on COVID more and blaming Trump for all that, on the Russia collusion lies. Anytime you see Democrats changing the subject to something that it's that they don't really care about and has something to do with Trump. Just remember, they still suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. Here's Claire McCaskill, play 21. You know, and I got to tell you the truth. If one of these Republicans has the nerve to talk about cancel culture with what they're doing to Liz Cheney, I would use such an unladylike word right now if I could. I mean, <laughs> F them. You know, I mean, what about that? They want to they lecture us about Dr. Seuss and the cancel culture, and they are canceling her. They are canceling Liz Cheney because she has the audacity to tell the truth. Shame on all of them. I mean, she's a moron, McCaskill. She's, an, she's actually just not very smart. Cancel culture isn't when people take a voice vote to remove you from a leadership position in Congress but you still keep your job. No one says that, you know, you should be kicked out of all society. No one calls you a racist. No one says you're a bigot. That's cancel culture. But notice that they don't even know what it is. They're so used to just wielding it against their political opponents. Oh, and Jen Psaki is really upset about it, too. Play 15. 
Let's start with the facts. Uh, more than 80 judges across the country threw out lawsuits attempting to overturn the outcome of the election. And on January 6th, uh, you know, this moment in history, we're looking at their hearings on Capitol Hill about the events on January 6th. Our nation's capital was attacked, our democracy was attacked, and six people lost their lives. So it's disturbing to see any leader regardless of party, being attacked for simply speaking the truth. And as the president said last week, uh, it's hard to understand. Uh, but our belief, his belief, is that the American people will have to make their own decisions about whether the reaction by the people they elected to represent them should be embracing and elevating conspiracies and attacks on our democracy, or whether it should be standing up for ideals that have historically been owned by both Democrats and Republicans representing the country throughout history. I cannot let this go. We're going to dive into now Jen Psaki's smears, lies and propaganda about Liz Cheney and the insurrection. You know, what's at the top of my to do list this week. And the one thing I'm really looking forward to having some filet mignon. That's going to be the most tender, juicy, flavorful meat I've had in a long time, courtesy of Moink. That's right. I just take them out of my freezer and I know that I have the best grass-fed and grass-finished beef you can get anywhere, plus lamb, pastured pork, and chicken. This is top quality. I mean, I'm so thankful that whenever it's time to make some really good protein for myself, I've got the delicious stuff from Moink, the best. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find in the meat aisle that's prepackaged. Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who's actually featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted. And I totally agree. And Jamie Siminoff, creator of the Ring Video Doorbell, invested in Moink. All right. So this is an independent, not big agra family farms. You need to support them and have the best meat, best chicken, best beef you'll get anywhere. Have it delivered right to your door in a box. It's so easy and straightforward. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash buck right now. And listeners to this show get free ground beef for a year. That's one of the best uh, deals you're going to get anywhere. This is amazing, amazing ground beef. M-O-I-N-K box.com slash buck. That's moinkbox.com slash buck. I will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. Uh, we have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution. Uh, and I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to the Constitution. Why is Liz Cheney playing into the hands of the left, the socialists, the authoritarians, increasingly just the straight up commies in the Democrat Party and the media and across the country? Why do this? Why give them what they want? I think you can come up with a number of, of plausible answers. Ego, bitterness, desire for power. It might sound crazy, but in an era where we just had President Trump come out of seemingly nowhere in, in the political world and become the actual president of the United States. Doesn't it feel like anything's possible? Maybe in Liz Cheney's warped mind, even 
she would get further than than even dad did as VP to become the full on president of the United States. Yeah, that's possible, isn't it? I, I had mentioned before Jen Psaki as the White House press secretary. They pretend that this is the administration that's all about truth. And I have to tell you this. Uh, when they say that six people died in the Capitol Hill riot, which, as we know, was was largely uh, comprised of and I'm talking about the people that actually broke the law. Destruction of a destruction of some federal property. They didn't go around, you know, slashing priceless paintings. But, you know, they broke some doors and windows, which is not okay. And I'm never going to say that's okay. You can't do that. That's a criminal act Um, and and trespassing and selfie taking, which is not a crime. But I'm just saying that's the kind of stuff that went on. They were not armed. There was no use of of lethal force against law enforcement. There was the use of lethal force against a protester shot in the neck through a door. You imagine imagine if imagine if a cop in Portland, if one of those federal officers, when there was that deployment last summer of federal law enforcement by Trump to Portland, when the Antifa lunatics were trying to burn down a federal courthouse, that's what they were trying to do. But imagine if if a cop from 20 feet away as a guy was, you know, banging on the door of the courthouse or, you know, trying to set a Molotov cocktail, a light and throw it against the side of the building, a cop just just shot him right in the neck or right in the head 20, 20, 30 feet away through a door. I think the media would be very, would have a very different feeling about that. It's inexcusable, though, that Jen Psaki says that six people lost their lives in the Capitol Hill riot. People died of heart attacks from a day later. People that had nothing to, nothing to do with actual violence on the side of the protesters that, that caused the death. We've, we've been through this. Officer Sicknick had, had an aneurysm from stress. Well, cops deal with a lot of stressful situations, okay? It's not murder when a cop has an aneurysm a day after they're doing riot control. Do you think they would say at a BLM riot that, you know, got out of hand? Well, all riots are out of hand, but you see what I'm saying. A BLM protest that got out of hand? You think they would say that it's murder if an officer had a stroke a day later? Six people, six people died, Jen Psaki says. Oh, this, this is the bloody shirt they wave around. It's all a lie. The only person killed as a result of violence in the Capitol Hill riot was Ashley Babbitt. And yet they continue with this. And this is also tied directly to their obsession with Liz Cheney. She's been canceled. She, when you're being used as a club to bludgeon your own side in politics, there's clearly a problem. That's what we're seeing. She has absolutely no interest uh, in, it seems, what the long-term ramifications of this are. Cheney just is on this jihad against Trump, and she's not going to let it go. Which then brings me to what this really is about. They, there's an obsession, particularly from, from CNN and from some people in this White House, an obsession with, with keeping the January insurrection as an issue that people are thinking about and concerned about. Uh, just recently this week, there was some some testimony about how you know white supremacy, this was on Capitol Hill, white supremacy is the biggest national security threat we face or something. This is the people who tell you that are brainwashed and trying to create grounds for further authoritarianism in America. That's a stupid, nonsensical thing to say 
But you'll you'll have, you know, FBI directors who say it. You'll have all these individuals who work for the government because they know who's in charge right now. And the, the narrative of white supremacy as this imminent threat of overthrow of the government of, of a coup is so satisfying to the Democrats. It, it excuses all of their excesses, their viciousness, their insanity, their overreach. It excuses all of it. It justifies all of it. Sorry, we have to do that. We have to treat you, the opposition, the Republicans, the Trump supporters. We have to treat you like you are a clear and present danger to America because you are. We have to treat you like you're not really human. You're not really our fellow Americans. Because you are. That's the attitude the left has about all of this. And they're looking to justify it. That's the attitude they have about why there's no good faith extended from the other side, really on on any issues these days. They want to control you. They want to shut you down. They want to they they want to cancel you. And Liz Cheney plays right into it. She continues to scratch at the scab of the January 6th riot. And Democrats are saying, great, keep doing it. Keep it going because it justifies the power grab that we are seeing that we're going through right now as a country. You know, we talk about freedom a lot as conservatives. We talk about liberty on the right. We have gone through 12 months of the greatest intrusions on liberty, on constitutional guarantees of our individual rights in my lifetime. And it's not even close And the media and the Democrat Party who perpetrated all of this are hoping that we don't ever really wake up or that enough of us don't wake up to what they've done and what it what it means for this country going forward. And Liz Cheney, unfortunately, has allowed herself to become a weapon of the oppressive tyrants on the left. And it's shameful and it's sad. Reality is Finally starting to set in for some of the lockdowners about masks. It's no longer possible to be a reasonable, rational person who's constantly wearing two masks. I'm going to wear two masks. I'm on a, I'm on a, a bike out in the woods by myself. And what if the COVID finds me? And COVID is like a heat-seeking missile. It'll find me from wherever I need to hide. I need to hide from the COVID. You know, there are people who are writing... Serious articles these days. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth about uh, pandemic PTSD. What have I been telling you for six months? There is a mass psychological disorder happening. I've been saying this. It's true. It's clear. And now, finally, there are people who are you know, MDs and experts and, and all the rest of it who are saying, you know what? Turns out that... There is really an issue here. Um, there's an article uh, in, in The Atlantic, which is usually a left-wing trash journal. Lucy McBride, who's a, an MD in Washington, D.C., wrote, I tell my patients not to mask their kids outside. For most young people, the social and emotional benefits of taking off masks outdoors greatly outweigh the personal and public health advantages of keeping them on. This is central. This is central to what I've been saying for a year now. They have pretended that everything was a binary, either or. You take the virus seriously or you don't. When every decision they were making for us, 
mandated with the force of law, the force of the state behind it, was a judgment call based upon highly imperfect information that was supposed to be weighing competing goods, competing upside and downside. And yet everything in the lockdown, everything in the pandemic, according to the Fauciites and the Democrats, because we know this was deeply politicized. Remember when they were used to pretend mask wearing is not a political statement? Bull crap. We all know it is. We've all known it is. But remember when, you know, early on, they were acting like they listened to the science. No, no, they don't. They absolutely do not listen to the science. That's why they have problems now. That's why there are issues with their ability to see the statements made by the CDC and say, okay, finally, we'll, we'll calm down. One in five people, according to this article, one in five people experience post-pandemic PTSD especially those who were infected or it's higher than that for those who were infected or quarantined. I've been telling you that this is a mass hysteria and I've been using those words intentionally, clearly and knowing what I'm what I'm really trying to imply. I meant it. People have gone nuts. You see it, you know it, it's all over the place. This broke a lot of people emotionally and psychologically. And that's why they were clinging to Fauci's little lab coat. That's why they were begging that little Stalinist Smurf. Please, please tell me it's all going to be okay because they were suffering from a form of mental illness. That's what we've seen. And it's scary, isn't it, to think that our country could fall into that so quickly. It's scary to think that at a, at a clinical level, and here you have an MD writing in the Atlantic about just this, and how in other pandemics it's the same thing, people lost rationality, lost the ability to calculate real risks, and we all suffered as a result because the neurotics on the left made this an anti-Trump statement very early on. And also, I believe, and now this gets into a deeper psychological level, that if you are generally if you're if you're an atheist with tremendous faith in the state, you te- you were a lockdowner, an all out lockdowner, because you believe that the government, the experts in the government were going to keep you alive and that all we had to do was give up all of our rights, give up all of our decision making to people who work in the government and we'd be safe because the notion of living your life and accepting that we are all on borrowed time. A lot of leftists have a tremendous difficulty with that. And it goes to their, look, there's an existential angst. There's no question about it for people who don't believe that anything comes after this life. You see, in a lot of the red states, the attitude was among people, including much older people, including those who are at high risk was, I don't have that much time and I don't have that much time left. I want to live my life. Remember that in the early days? You know, back last April, last May, people were saying, yeah, I I, I can't give up. You know, I'm in my late 70s. I, I don't want to give up a year or two of my life locked away in isolation from my, my children, my grandchildren. I don't want to do that. And that was shouted. Oh, no, you shut up. The government's going to going to take control. The government's in charge. 
People talk about post-pandemic PTSD. I have post-Fauci PTSD at some level. I mean, I don't think I'm actually suffering from a mental illness because of it, but I do think that uh, this is something that's really stuck with me. And, and I know for some of you, you know, we, we've covered this issue a lot on the show, and, and I get your messages where you say, you know, okay, we, we, we get it with masks. We get it with your, your disdain for Fauci. This is central, and it's about much more than just masks and Fauci. Don't you see? This is about your, your underlying relationship between citizen and state. This goes to the heart of whether or not you have any actual rights, any real protections from the state and freedoms as an individual that the government cannot transgress. What we saw in this last year is that for a lot of people, the answer is no. That the government can decide it has a right to do effectively anything. That should be very troubling to you. And it's a reminder that even in America, with all of our fancy gadgets and, and our incredible prosperity and our ability to, to you know, start companies sitting on the couch that become worth millions or billions of dollars, I mean, all, all these things that are going on that are, seem just unfathomably amazing in so many ways, we could have a turn toward tyranny that destroys the most essential characteristics of our society, and it can happen in the blink of an eye. That's why I've been saying that this was all ultimately an advertisement for an armed population and the Second Amendment. Let me, let me explain to you why I feel that way. We had a virus that had a less than 1% fatality rate in this country, and people were, there was mass, mass hysteria, there was pandemic, trauma, and that, that, that made it psychologically impossible for a lot of people to make reasonable decisions. And the government was shutting down churches. The government was telling people they had to stay in their homes. And there, was, there were even considerations among some. There were people who were experts who were saying we should have full-on you know, Chinese or Australian-style lockdowns where you're forced to stay in your home for weeks and weeks at a time. That was for a virus with a less than 1% fatality rate. The actual fatality rate for the Spanish influenza of 1918 was more like 5%. And in the second wave, it went after, specifically went after 20 to 40-year-olds, and they never even really understood why. But people would die. They would get the Spanish flu. They would die in a matter of hours from the onset of symptoms. Young, healthy people. How hysterical and tyrannical do you think the lockdowners would get if we were faced with anything even close to that. Do you think they would hesitate to lock you in your home and not understand why that's just not their right? Do you think they would hesitate from using the force of the state, using armed men paid by the government to make you comply, to take away your freedom, to lock you in a cell, to lock you in quarantine, to maybe even use lethal force if you refused? I, we've been through a stress test with this pandemic as a people, and not all of us, but a big portion of the American people failed. And we need to be honest about that. When you spend a lot of time in the great outdoors, you know Mother Nature doesn't always play nice. SA Company has all the protective gear you need to brave the elements and explore more every day, like their multi-use face shields. UPF 30, lightweight and breathable, they come in dozens of eye-catching designs for the entire family, 
perfect for your next outdoor adventure. Look, the SA face shields have such cool patterns. I've got one that's got an American flag design. I love it. And they're meant for outdoor activity. Friends, understand, this is not about COVID. This is about making sure you keep dust out. This is about having a gator that's really comfortable, that looks cool, that you can wear anytime, at the range, out in the woods, or just walking around outside doing work, right? There are over 10 ways to put this to use. Face mask, bandana, neck gaiter, so many more. So how have you been wearing yours? Well, you got to get one first, right? SA Company also gives back to the men and women who put themselves on the front lines every day. Through their partnership with Operation Gratitude, SA Company has donated over 100,000 face shields. With every order, they donate one face shield to first responders. Right now, SA Company is offering an insane deal. Buy one face shield, get four free. $150 value for just $24.99. That's buy one, get four free. Just go to safishing.com slash buck to get five face shields for the price of one, plus a lifetime warranty and free returns. That's safishing.com slash buck. Well, and speaking of that, June 15th, big deal. Uh, paint a picture. What does that look like, June 15th? Well, we're right now at 1% positivity. It's been the lowest in the nation. It's been that way for almost two and a half, three weeks. Uh, we're seeing this blueprint where the vast majority of counties are in orange and yellow, and we're going to move beyond the blueprint on uh, the 15th of June. So just in a number of weeks, and that world looks a lot like the world we entered into before the pandemic. We're not wearing face coverings. Uh, we're not, uh, we're not, you know, restricted in any way, shape, or form of doing the old things that we used to do, save huge, large-scale indoor convention events like that where we'll use our common sense. But look, our vaccine numbers are still holding. 533,000 uh, shots in the last 48 hours. We're at 32, almost 33 million. So if we keep that going, we're going to hear a lot of horns of enthusiasm because <laughs> we'll get out the other side. By June 15th, not wearing face coverings, they're saying in California. People are finally saying enough is enough. I think it's so interesting, too, that they say face covering. It has to be a mask, friends. If you're going to be even remotely, and as you know, look, is there anybody that you've heard that is more that is basically more anti-mask than me and has been all along? There's a handful that are as anti this nonsense as I am, but the point is, if, if you think that you know having a like loosely draped handkerchief over your mouth is really doing a lot epidemiologically, I, I just don't even know what to say. <laughs> like we're just this is absurd. Airflow going above it, airflow going below it, spreading out of the air around you. There's no filtration. There's anyway. It's so. Oh, it's also these people are also. But like I said, it's not only is it so dumb, but there's a. There's a lunacy involved here. There's pandemic PTSD. It's real. And why is Gavin Newsom taking this position now, though? Ah, yes, this is important. It's not because Gavin Newsom is such an honorable fellow who understands that he was being a lockdown lunatic for so many months. It's that recall, baby. We all know that Newsom's not long for the governor's uh, mansion if, if this continues. So what's a good way to get people to stop thinking you're a you're an authoritarian psycho um, putting in place or removing after having in place the strictest mandates in the country that I mean, he should feel like an idiot. He should feel like a fool because he is. He's a fool. They shut down outdoor dining, my friends. 
after telling people outdoor dining will always be fine. They shut down outdoor dining in California. No benefit, no benefit from it whatsoever. None, zero that they can point to. And then, as we know, Gavin Newsom went to French Laundry and did his whole thing. I mean, he's he's such a perfect politician for California. He's like, you know, I look good in a suit and I kind of just have this kind of gravelly, breathy thing going on and a lot of gel in my hair. And I'm just here to tell the great people of California that this is my best angle. You know, it's, it's so this guy really should be like a soap opera actor. But instead, he's Gavin Newsom. I know. It's it's remarkable to see his fall from grace. It's great, though. It's great. Uh, I I can't tell you how happy I am that this clown is going through what he's going through right now because it shows that even in California, which has been overrun by leftist lunacy, there is still some, albeit small, some hope of accountability for bad decision making. Is there any in this White House? Not yet. But people are starting to figure out that there's some funky stuff going on. Andy Slavitt, for example, is out there being asked. He's a senior advisor on COVID response, this White House. And journos are asked. I actually think some of the journos are curious about this because they're now finally able to put it together. Oh, my gosh. Biden and a lot of these senior Democrats masking really is the MAGA hat for them, for the left. Masking really is a symbol of politics to them. Like, you know, they were ignoring it in the past or they couldn't believe they couldn't bring themselves to believe it. It's very much true. Andy Slavitt asked about this play, too. You're the vaccine guy. You're not the mask guy. Uh, but part of getting people vaccinated is to tell them that their lives will be different, changed better if they get the vaccine. There was this Oval Office meeting yesterday with the president and the leaders of Congress. Everyone in this room has been vaccinated. So why were they all wearing masks? And what message does that send? Well, look, I think people who've been vaccinated are, are starting to get a little bit impatient with um, what can I do? Um, you know, can I go indoors? Can I take masks off, et cetera? And I think the CDC is getting there step by step. So right now you can do pretty much everything outdoors without a mask. You can do everything um, indoors if you're around vaccinated people with, without a mask. So I think, why were know, they I, all wearing masks in there yesterday? Well, I don't think that you know, I'm not sure that the president is the average uh, person. I, I personally think there's a lot of protections around the president. Why does he need lots of Secret Service agents? Why does he why do they you know belt and suspender everything with the president because he's a very important person and i think you shouldn't take your your mark just by what you see in the oval office i think most people if you're indoors around other people that are vaccinated the cd says it's okay um and i think you should listen to the cdc on that uh what the heck was that do you, you hear this moron i mean just I, i'm playing the audio for you so you can hear yourself well you know the president has secret service protection so yeah, that's to stop lunatics from trying to assassinate the president. It has nothing to do with COVID, right? The Secret Service is not trying to karate chop viral particles in the air. They're not carrying around submachine guns because of the possibility of subspittle from an aide, you know, becoming aerosolized and finding its way into Biden's, you know, nasal pharyngeal, whatever you call it. Nasopharynx, I believe. Yeah, one has nothing to do with the other, but he doesn't have an answer because you know what the real answer is? 
because I think Biden himself might be suffering from some degree of pandemic PTSD. I think for a lot of people, this the face covering was a security blanket for them and it was a symbol to them. And they could wear this thing and think I'm a good, smart person who listens to the science. And that was after a while, not only something that they they needed, but they enjoyed. I'm just going to say it. I think there are libs out there who enjoy this craziness. They like the not not the pandemic, but they like mask conformity. It's a show of mass solidarity with government mandates and policy. If we can get everybody to wear masks, we can get everybody to lessen their CO2 footprint. If we can get everybody to to wear masks, we can get everybody to hand in their firearms or else. Right. Collective action, the moral equivalent of war. Take it all the way back to the origins, the earliest days of of mass propaganda in America with the advent of, yes, radio in World War One, And you have a very, a very clear connection in the messaging of the moral equivalent of war. Everyone has to move together and do what the state says. And we're all in this. And, you know, don't be don't be questioning. Don't be an outsider. There's a lot of comfort, far too much of it among Democrats on this issue. And. They, I think they've really acclimated themselves to a world in which the government can restrict your physical comfort and freedom in whatever way it deems necessary, just based upon the fact that you're a human being who needs oxygen. And that's why Andy Slavitt, who's supposed to be an expert on what's going on with covid response and the vaccine specifically, bumbles like a moron on national TV when he's asked, Why is old man Biden vaccinated, surrounded with the vaccinated and still wearing a mask indoors? Why is he doing it? Well, it's the same answers you get when they ask, why is old man Biden wearing a mask outside, even though he's vaccinated? The chance of him getting covid and it being a severe event, even if he were to get it, is is something that should be ignored. But he won't do it. Because it was never about listening to the science. It was always about controlling you. If you were going into a completely crowded situation where people are essentially falling all over each other, then you wear a mask. But any other time, if you're vaccinated and you're outside, put aside your mask. You don't have to wear it. Put aside your mask, Fauci says, under those specific circumstances. Finally starting to say it. Take the damn mask off, lib loons. Take it off. Stop. If you're unvaccinated, I mean, if you're vaccinated and outside and unvaccinated and outside, if you're alone or with your family, that's the actual CDC guidance. But I want to let you know, we found courtesy of comedian Tyler Fisher, F-I-C-H-E-R. We found some very important additional Fauci guidance that we wanted to share with you here. Very important Fauci guidance on how to avoid the COVID from our friend Tyler Fisher. Here's Fauci, sort of, play three. Look, I rarely admit I'm wrong, but I was wrong about children needing masks 
outside. They do not need a mask outside. If they have a plastic bag over their head, toss a clear bag over your kid's dome piece, duct tape around the neck so no droplets can come in or out, poke a couple holes so they can breathe, then heck, if they get hungry, you can even throw a couple graham crackers in there. Now, it's not going to offer the perfect protection, so I'd even go ahead and dip your kids in a vat of boiling hot wax. It'll dry and sort of make a protective COVID shell. Two straws in the nose so they could breathe. Toss them in a crawl space of the attic. And then in three to nine to 25 years, you can pull them out, crack the shell, and they can get back to a normal life playing and going to school. It just makes common sense. This guy, Tyler Fisher, is amazing. He's really... It's, it's found... The only Fauci that that might even exceed my own, I got to say. He's doing a great job, really is. Um, so you can uh, you can follow if, if you want. He will actually make a well before I before I get into that, before I get into that. Let's just say um, you should definitely follow him. You can go to TylerFisher.com is his website and tie the fish F.I.S.C.H. Ty the Fish, and it's Tyler Fisher, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. That's how you spell his name. Um, so he, he does great stuff, man. His stuff is really, really funny. Um, um, I, I mean, I've actually, well, I, I, turns out, folks, we went deep into the vault, and this may be a big surprise to you. There is some specific Fauci advice out there about me, Buck Sexton about me, you know, and and how you shouldn't listen to me when it comes to protecting yourself from droplets. Here is more fake Fauci. Play four. Okay, so uh, I'm going to be doing a very special COVID safety protocol for the anti-science, dare I say, master Buck Sexton, who claims this virus was drummed up, made up in a lab somewhere, and we got a serious safety problem on this show, and I'm mostly doing this to protect your listeners. For starters, I don't see any protection on that very long, weird, gray, phallic-looking microphone. I would put a mask on it, better yet, four masks. Or even based on the shape, you could throw a condom on it. And I'll say I'm less concerned about you catching COVID from somebody else's droplets on that microphone. I'm actually more concerned that the microphone is going to catch your virus, which is disinformation that you are spreading at a viral rate. You're like the hydroxychloroquine of podcasts, untested and very dangerous. I'd say probably the only real thing on this podcast is your hairline, which I'm a bit jealous of. <laughs> this guy's great. Oh, man. Tyler Fisher, folks. Uh, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. TylerFisher.com. And he will... Our favorite fake Fauci, he will do a cameo personalized Fauci impression for you. The cameo app, you could go and, you know, for a, for a, a nominal fee, he'll do a, a little Fauci impression for you. So great thing to make to, you know, send to a friend, maybe have a Fauci uh, birthday message sent to a friend or whatever. So he's doing a he's doing a really good job that we appreciate it. 
I, I don't remember how, but Tyler um, seems like a really, really nice guy. He, he knew that I played one of his clips earlier on the show. I guess it was last week, and he reached out. And I said, I said, buddy, you're amazing. Your impressions are fantastic. Uh, he actually does a few very good impressions. And so he's a comedian and uh, a good guy, so you can check out his stuff there. We really enjoyed that, though. Droplets. That's he. See, it's keywords. You know, like things like when I always talk about mitigation. You know, Fauci loves to talk about mitigation, but he does always he always falls back on this the droplets. You know, there are certain words that the Stalinist uh, Smurf uses that you you need to just remember. Um, anyway, on to the reality here of of masks and and where we are with all this. You have even CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta um, when it came to Susan. So here's what happened. I think yesterday I played this for you. Susan Collins, Senator Collins, who has a sort of, I've never heard a person who has, who is in the Senate and sort of talks like this. But Susan Collins you know, she said that she doesn't really trust the CDC when it comes to the way they're expressing their guidance. Even Sanjay Gupta is like, yeah, the CDC has been losing some points. Play 12. It pains me to to say this, but I, I, I see where she's coming from, uh, Senator Collins, on this. I mean, I think for a long time, the concern was the CDC was providing guidance, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic that was not scientifically based. And as a result, we didn't do things that we should have done in this country that could have greatly mitigated what has happened here. And now I think it's almost a little bit of the reverse problem. Uh, the science is not necessarily being followed to the same extent. And as a result, we're probably doing things that we don't need to be doing. So so, you know, in the end, the CDC needs to be just a science-based organization. What does the science say? You don't need to wear a mask outside. It's just one of these things that, you know, again, we've known this for some time. We didn't know in the beginning. We've all learned a lot over the past year. But now we know it's not clear that uh, that there's really been any cases of, of outdoor transmission, maybe a couple of cases throughout the last year in the entire world that have really been documented. So indoor masking. If you're vaccinated, I don't think you need to wear mask indoors either so this is what the science is sort of showing and i think the cdc just needs to to probably say that they're erring on the side of caution i get it i you know i i, I think we've all been traumatized here but i think you know at this point it has to be very clear what the science shows and what you can do as a result of that yeah the, the lockdown libs have been super traumatized because they've gone crazy over this because they weren't being rational and reasonable and this all got wrapped up with their anti-Trump hysteria early on, and then they couldn't separate the things, and we've all had to deal with their, Where, where's your mask? We're outside, and you walk 30 feet away from me. We've been dealing with this for far too long as it is. So get a grip, libs. Take off your dumb mask. Our friend Pedro Gonzalez back in the mix. He's a senior writer at American Greatness. Go to uh, American Greatness, amgreatness.com. That's amgreatness.com for his latest piece. Pedro, always good to have you. Hey, Buck, good to be here. So we have Liz Cheney out, which is so sad for the Democrats because now it's one less excuse to keep talking about the insurrection. But we're being told that Elise Stefanik is being put forward by GOP leadership to take over. And everybody that I know that I trust on these issues who follows the Congress and the GOP within the Congress very closely has got uh, not even questions, 
concerns. What do you see here? Well, basically, I think that the the whole row over Cheney and Stefanik and the way that it's being framed as this is a a victory for the populists and that the establishment has been dealt a blow, I think it's completely wrong. And it's actually frustrating because I'm seeing a lot of people that I think are I respect and who are smart kind of go all into this, like, okay, great, we got rid of Cheney, that's one rhino down. It's hold on. Do you know who Stefanik is? Have you actually looked at Stefanik's record? And this is not a win, really. Like, uh, I'm not defending Cheney. I think she's terrible. I think that the Cheney name, just like the Bush name, should only be spoken to spite it and mock it. But it doesn't make any sense that you're replacing Cheney with, with someone who's actually worse than her. And oh the, the only redeeming factor about Stefanik in the eyes of some people, I guess, is that she has rhetorically been very pro-Trump. But if you look at her voting record, like the deep irony of this is that Cheney has voted more consistently in line with Trump than Stefanik ever did. And that's just really the tip of the iceberg here with, with Stefanik. I just feel like it's it's too much to ask at this point, Pedro, for people who care, who still care about the Republican Party and its future to just let it go that it seems only rhinos get to be in leadership. You know, McCarthy, who's bunkmates with uh, Frank Luntz and all this stuff. I mean, can, can we get somebody that feels like they're, you know, the, the, the leadership on the left in the Democrat Party is actually in leadership, right? I mean, Nancy Pelosi is a limousine liberal and a big fake and doesn't actually care about the poor and minorities and all the rest of it. But she does deliver on left wing agenda items for them. And, and does mouth the, the required talking points of a progressive, always, never deviates from it. On the right, how, why do we, we get McCarthy, we get Cheney, now they're saying Stefanik. Can we get somebody that we get, you know, Mitch McConnell is uh, the Senate uh, minority leader. Can we get somebody that actually wants to fight? Well, no, that's the message the GOP is sending you. No, you don't get that. And this and this is actually nothing new. It predates Trump. This We were talking about going back um, probably a few decades. This is what the GOP does. It, it takes the anger of its voters. It takes their, their anger, their money, their time, their attention, and it says, we'll, we'll offer you a real solution. Uh, we'll offer you a, a an alternative to the Democratic Party, and then also we're going to clean up our own party, and then you vote for them, and you give them power, and then they stab you in the back. And This is historically... The, the one thing the GOP has been very good at is this, is, is taking popular anger at the political establishment, at the uniparty, and essentially assimilating it into that establishment by dressing it up as change. Like, th this is it. This is the. This is finally it. We're really going to get rid of the rhinos. We're really going to beat the Democrats. But you don't. You get the same thing every single time. And in fact, the GOP uh, tends to lurch left. Like, on all the really important issues, they, over time, they just tend to drift left while still retaining the pro-business aspect of, you know, like tax cuts and deregulation and things like that. And I think it, it's easy to miss all of this because because the Democratic Party is, is so deranged and rhetorically so out of control. But like you said, a lot of this is fake. Like Nancy Pelosi is a limousine liberal. She lives in a gated community. She doesn't have to deal with any of the felons that she wants to release from prison or, or to deal with the consequences of mass immigration. Her neighborhood doesn't change, in other words. Uh, as a result of her policies. Um, but like you said, it, at least P 
people on the left, Democratic voters, they tend to get more bang for their buck. Whereas what Republican voters get is they get stabbed in the back and they get lied to. And so right now, there's like I said, there's a lot of people that are buying into this whole like, oh, great, Stefanik is a real change. And it's like they're going to realize inevitably like, oh, we were lied to again. Great. They stabbed us in the back again. We're speaking to Pedro Gonzalez. Go to amgreatnessamericangreatness.com for his uh, latest pieces where he's a senior writer. Uh, Pedro, you brought this story to my attention. I just I, I want to give uh, everyone listening a little bit of background on it before we we talk about how really troubling this is. This is in the Washington Post, folks. So this is a liberal newspaper. And, you know, this isn't coming from some blog somewhere. Get rid of Confederate rock or risk custody of multiracial daughter, court tells woman. Here's here's some of this this piece by Timothy Bella, quote, a rock near a woman's driveway in upstate New York could affect the custody case of her multiracial daughter. But it is not the rock itself that is potentially risking a mother's custody of her child. It is what's decorated on the rock, the Confederate flag. Appellate justices with the New York Supreme Court on Thursday ordered a Tompkins County woman to remove the Confederate flag painted rock or risk a change in circumstances to the child custody case of her young daughter. Justice Stanley Pritzker wrote in the unanimous 5-0 decision that while the woman, identified only as Christy B.B., was protected under the First Amendment to display the Confederate flag, the Rock's presence through June 1 would force the court to reconsider the joint custody she has with the girl's father. Just one more thing here, Pedro. Quote, given that the child is of mixed race, it would seem apparent that the presence of the flag is not in the child's best interest, as the mother must encourage and teach the child to embrace her mixed race identity rather than thrust her into a world that only makes sense through the tortured lens of cognitive uh, cognitive dissonance. Judge Pritzker wrote for the Supreme Court's third department in New York state. What the heck is this, Pedro? (laughs) Uh, This is a judge telling you how to decorate your house, what political views to have, and how to raise your kids. I mean, that's what it boils down to. And, and I think it's, it's for a lot of people, they're going to read this story, they're, they're going to see the Confederate flag thing, and they're probably going to feel maybe instinctively like, oh, I, you know, maybe there is something wrong about this, about the Confederate flag, or like they'll focus on the, the decoration part, in other words. But that's, I think that's actually uh, a huge miss. That's not the the important part of the story is not the Confederate flag. It's the fact that there's here's a judge saying that the political views and opinions of the parent uh, of the parents are harmful to the children without actually having to demonstrate any actual harm and then threatening you to change your your views. uh, And if you don't change your views, change the way that you've actually arranged your personal belongings or we're going to take away your kid. I don't understand why this is not a huge story. Uh, it should be because the, the first thing that came to my mind is because, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit sarcastic was, Oh, thank God. At least we don't live in a repressive country like China where, uh, unelected managers can just arbitrarily tell you how to think, how to speak, uh, what opinions to have and how to decorate your house. It's amazing. I mean, it's stunning. Uh, you brought this to my attention. I was just, I, I thought, well, what do you mean? And, and sure enough, 
there's some news coverage of this, but I, I want to say where are conservatives on this? And and I'll just say this out loud. I mean, I'm I'm not somebody who you know tends to uh, you know over. I I try I should say not to overreact to government overreach, right? Because it. But if they if they can do this, given the realities of discourse on the left these days about how we live in an entirely white supremacist society, and how far is this from a court saying? You know, you were a parent who objected at one of these recent, uh, you know, PTA meetings to critical race theory, and you have a, a a multiracial child, you know, so we might have to actually affect your custody of that child because you don't support critical race theory. I, I don't see how that's not a, a logical conclusion from this. Right. And in states like Tennessee right now, where you have attempts to ban critical race theory, teachers are just rejecting it like in other words it's okay for you to break the law when when the law is actually written as such uh when when you're doing it from a kind of left-wing position but uh on the other hand if if the judge that you're dealing with is himself a leftist uh like the rules don't apply that way like you can't if you basically if you try to do the same thing from the right like well i'm, I'm going to ignore uh what this judge says you're going to lose your kid it, it, it doesn't uh, this only goes one way, in other words. And I think that this is actually a cause for concern. And I'm like you, like I try not to get too worked up about the news, because if I did, I would go insane. And especially government overreach, because uh, th this is the world that we live in now. But this is definitely, I think, a, a new step in the wrong direction. And in the background, you also have Attorney General Merrick Garland saying that uh, domestic uh, extremism of, of the white variety is the greatest danger this country faces. So you have a kind of uh, a new kind of legal system that is emerging that is going to, I think, normalize this kind of thing, where if you have the wrong opinions, if they smell wrong, uh, if you're not towing the line, like the ideological line that everyone is bowing to, in, in term, which is, I think, uh, encapsulated by the critical race theory, narrative which is america's bad white people are bad america's racist uh, then you're actually going to start not just seeing things like people losing their jobs but you know are you uh, like what could happen to your family i, I don't want to uh get i guess too ahead of it but I, but i think the threat of this is real like a court just threatened to take away someone's kid because of uh basically their political opinions are on display that, that's not an exaggeration to be deeply concerned about that Pedro, I I wonder what it will take. Uh, I wonder what it will take for the Republican Party to finally have a, a really a unified message about going on offense when it comes to school curriculum, critical race theory and speech. It feels to me like we're still in this zone of we want to preserve a neutral public square where we, we don't want to tell people, you know, we don't want to, you know, teach patriotism or we don't want to tell people to love their. We just want everyone to be able to. And it feels like that has been a losing strategy to the point now where we are defending, so to speak, on the football field, on the goal line when it comes to free speech. When you see what's going on in this story and so many others. Yeah, uh, well, I don't actually know if the Republican Party can do this because the party, it's kind of like a zombie. Uh, it doesn't seem to change no matter what it gets hit with or what comes at it. It just keeps trudging along and uh, absorbs whatever happens and finds a way to kind of exist in that space. 
but for my part, uh, I, I think that we should actually take the gloves off. And if we ever do, uh, and we hopefully will have another shot at the White House and uh, another shot at having control of both the White House and the Congress, I think that we should actually take up what would be considered radical measures right now by the GOP. Uh, one example that I've had on my mind is the National Endowment for the Humanities. This is a, an agency that supports research, education, and public programs in the humanities. In other words, this is an institution that helps cultivate taste and opinion, right? So it, it, organizations, institutions like this, they're all controlled by the left. So, and, and what does that mean? It means that the curriculum, the arts, things like that, they're all influenced by these left-wing currents. And so the, the, the GOP, the right wing's position right now is that, well, these institutions shouldn't exist and we should totally smash it and like decentralize everything. Is that really the solution? Do you think that getting rid of organizations like this uh, would make critical race theory go away? I think it would actually probably just make it worse. People would just teach whatever they want. And in other words, like we, we think we're creating we, we basically think we're creating neutral space, but we just create power vacuums. Even right. if we get yes. our way, that will be yep. filled by yep. some other node of right. power. I was, yeah, I was about to say nature hates a vacuum and that's, that's what you would have. You would have a vacuum and surprise who would fill it. I mean, you know, who. so I think that the things that we should think about is we should actually take a, a page out of the left's book and we should want to take control of organizations like the national endowment for humanities and use them to actually support research, education, and public programs that make patriotic citizens, make people who don't hate their country and don't hate their ancestors. Why is this a radical? I don't know why the GOP thinks this, this is so radical. It's this position of like, hold on. If, well, think about it. If we use government, what happens if our enemies use, use government? It's like, are, are you kidding me? Your enemies are using government to crush you right now. I don't under, like when when are you going to get the memo that it's not that you're losing. You've already lost. Yeah. And if you're not willing to do things that are that radical and then go the next step, like I, I also think that we should consider abolishing tax exemptions, subsidies and federal contracts for academic and professional institutions that support the basic narrative of like critical race theory if you're not willing to take these radical steps then uh you're just basically play fighting pedro gonzalez amgreatness.com for his latest writing pedro always insightful my friend talk to you soon Thank you, Buck. Well, uh, in this case, this was a, an issue about how a cyber attack impacted a pipeline that's there. Uh, I'm not sure it really speaks to the number or quantity of, of pipelines or their throughput. I do think it reminds us that we need to make sure that we have the most re resilient and flexible infrastructure for the future, especially when it comes to something like energy. Uh, we've now had, uh, uh, you could argue, two major wake-up call experiences, uh, one in Texas uh, and now one here, uh, each with a different cause, but both reminding us uh, about the work that we have to do as a country. Some truth there from our uh, transportation secretary, Buttigieg. Yeah, that's right. This guy is, in fact, a cabinet official uh, about how, yeah, we need we need more redundant and, and more um, durable infrastructure. But they're going to want to make it windmills, folks. That's that's the problem. <laughs> they, they don't they don't take the right lessons from the reminders that we have here. They're not going to move in the right direction. This this is part of the problem. Uh, we can't even agree on the basics of how to address challenges with things like infrastructure with the Democrats. I'd also note that it's uh, reporting today uh, out there that Colonial paid a $5 million ransom for uh, for whatever this Russian hacker collective is. I'm just going to say it right now, folks. 
Get ready for a lot more ransomware attacks all over the place. You know, they're going to be coming after us. They're going to be coming after everything they can now with this. So that's uh, this. This could lead to some really, really big issues. And I don't think the Biden team is uh, I don't think they're on it. I think that's fair to say they, they don't make me feel safe and warm at night. All right, it's time for some truth bombs from our friend Colonel Kurt. That's right, Kurt Schlichter, everybody, senior writer at townhall.com. And yes, as he has had to explain to me, full bird colonel, that lieutenant colonel stuff for our friend Kurt. How you doing, buddy? Well, I didn't want to be associated with Vindman. Ah, that's right. Or as <laughs> or as I believe my uh I, I believe one of my old uh, old colleagues from the from the community referred to him as Lieutenant Colonel Porkchop was, I think, what was, what was being <laughs> shared sausage, but, uh... for for a while. So tell me, tell me this, man. I, it's like this week is is what all of a sudden I, I feel. Look, it, bad for the country, but good for reality, right? Bad things happening, but reality for those of us who still try to live it and is setting in that we have a clearly deteriorating, not up for the job, mediocrity even twenty years ago. Uh, in Joe Biden, who is not able to handle crises and, in fact, is causing with decisions major problems in the country, uh, whether it's the economy, the border, or energy, all kinds of things. At least the truth is coming out, uh, Kurt, despite the best efforts of the other side. Well, the, the, the truth is coming out, Buck. Uh, the truth is that uh, one American who's happy about the President Asterisk administration is Jimmy Carter, because now he's not the worst president of the last century. You think Jimmy Carter, though? I, I, I feel like Carter is smarter than Joe Biden. Carter My went to the Naval Academy. Carter, you know, I think he had bad ideas, but I feel like he's a sharp guy. I actually think Joe Biden is you know, is is really dumb as a doornail. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I know he mouths the right talking points and he sort of plays the part of politician, but it, it's like we've got this this actor who should have been long retired, who's actually the commander in chief. And 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 it's a disaster. It's a disaster on every level from uh, uh, the new standard is paying off uh, uh, foreign bandits who shut down our in- infrastructure, abandoning our allies. we got gas lines back. Inflation's coming. Hey, everything's groovy. And, Kurt, what is it that it's going to – what do you think has to happen here for the, the it, it to become more apparent, I guess? Because here's my thesis. Let's just take a few of these crises. I, w- I want to work through a, a handful of them with you. Uh, the border. 180,000 people apprehended last month. Almost all of them are just showing up and surrendering themselves to the border, which means, hey, here I am, Border Patrol. Get me a sandwich. Start processing me so I can be let let free in the United States. That's what it actually means for people who may or may not. Maybe they're held for a few days, maximum a week or two, but then they're in the U.S. and they're and they're good to go. And they're they're actually waving down and saying, hey, Border Patrol, come get me. And they don't cuff them or anything. They're just moving them in buses to facilities trying to make nicer all the time. Biden does not want to fix this. I think that's what people don't really get yet. At no, least not to the degree they need this. to. This, this is this is what he's for. And there's going to be, you know, and of course, there's going to be consequences because at some point we're going to have a president DeSantis or other one. who's going to say, OK, time to go. But 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 my dreamers no. No, we're not doing that. And it's going to be much, much worse. But, yeah, you know, 
you got to understand that that deep down, people like Joe Biden hate this country and hate the people who make it up. And they, they think of themselves as different. They're better. The, the rest of us, you know, we just need to be, you know, diluted with foreigners and others who will elect Democrats forever. That's their plan. They'll tell you that. On the economy, we're speaking to Kurt Schlichter, senior writer at townhall.com. On the economy, uh, we had almost 800,000 jobs short of expectations last month, which, you know, 800,000 jobs here, a million jobs there that don't materialize starts to feel like real jobs numbers, right? It starts to feel like this is an indicator of some kind. Uh, the consumer price index up, what was it, 4.2%, I think, the, yeah, most recent, uh, the most recent numbers. Inflation is starting to hit. And the Biden team is basically still talking about spending $4 trillion more trillion and setting up a whole lot of electric charging stations and windmills. Well, look, I mean, you know, it's his constituents who drive the Teslas. I, I hear your people, Tesla hate, but I'm just going to tell you, I actually know some right-wingers who like Teslas. Well, I, they know, say they're pretty cool. I mean, I, the Prius is the ugliest. And for those listeners, oh if you listen gosh. to the show, you drive a Prius. I'm sorry. We still love you. The Prius is the ugliest vehicle ever designed, but it was a great platform to signal how much you love the earth. I actually think and some of the Teslas look pretty cool. Stick. You can have your coexist bumper sticker on the back. The I'm with her. The I hate testosterone. Yeah, it's a great car. I mean, you know, it's up there with the Subaru in terms of nobody has to guess your politics when you're driving around in a Prius. <laughs> like, there's no there's no Subaru drivers who are like, yeah, I'm on my way to the range after, you know, working with my hands all day at my small business. And, you know, at no, not really. I could do push-ups. Um, you know, I, I, I think normal Americans would be a lot happier to have highways that weren't falling apart and gas that didn't cost six bucks a gallon, which it's hitting in L.A. Isn't that also something that's supposed to result in people getting, you know, there's there's always a talk. People will crunch the numbers on this. Uh, they will be frustrated with whatever the government in charge may be when gas prices go up. Yet there's also the media telling us 63 percent approval in the most recent AP whatever, oh, whatever that was poll. my favorite. No, there's yeah. just no way. I'm sorry. There's, yeah, who now, are these people? How, how do they think that we're supposed to expect that, you know, that Mr. Magoo Biden is actually now getting effectively 13 percent of Republicans to be like, yeah, doing a great job? Yeah, that's uh, you know, that, that's quite a stretch. But of course, when your sample size is like four Republicans and 300 Democrats, uh, maybe maybe you can come up with that number. Uh, the, the, the fact is that most normal people don't really listen to the media. They do notice when they walk out of the grocery store or drive away from the gas station considerably poorer. Uh, it, it, I, I lived through this before in Jimmy Carter's time. I was a little kid. But, you know, I lived through it before. It takes a while, but, of, but it builds. And I think, uh, I think 2022 is going to be a slaughter for Democrats. I mean, I think you just can't get wiped out. I certainly hope that that's where we're heading. But I also wanted to get your opinion, because while Colonel Kurt is uh, an Army veteran, you're still are you still uh, National Guard? No, nope, I'm I retired. I'm retired. retired. OK, so, so Colonel Kurt's fully out, fully retired now. He's a veteran, that's but also a lawyer. And you understand some of the, the legal realities that would come into play with this. I don't even know if you saw the story. I didn't ask you about it beforehand. 
Palm Beach police have reportedly discussed Trump's possible extradition to New York if he's indicted. What is going on here? Uh, I think uh, I think that's a, uh, a very dangerous game that they're playing. I could see Governor DeSantis saying no, which he can do under Florida law. Uh, I think uh, you really push things to a point of crisis by attempting to imprison the uh, uh, your your opponent in the next election, potentially. And uh, I think they're stupid enough to try it. You think they might actually do it? You think that you think that Cy Vance to be the forever hero to the resistance and the libs and the left would drop an indictment on Trump and demand his arrest and extradition from Florida to New York to stand trial for, you know, we all know it would probably be some accounting Trump organization thing, right? That's what they're trying to get him on. I mean, the most Mickey Mouse nonsense possible. Yeah, this is really dangerous. And uh, the Supreme Court, uh, when it allowed some of this idiocy to go forward, did no one any favors uh, you know, attempting to protect the legitimacy of the institution, uh, it's going to cause uh, a considerable, uh, uh, considerable harm. Yeah, I'm worried this, about this it because I think the libs, the libs are crazy. The libs are crazy. That's for sure. Our friend Kurt Schlichter, everybody, townhall.com for his latest. Kurt, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Joe Biden keeps saying that he doesn't think he's supposed to answer questions. I understand that we're going to be told by the press, by all the people protecting Biden all the time. I don't mean Secret Service protection. I mean, his journalist protectors, that this is just his way of, you know, he's folksy Joe. You know, he's he's just, you know, oh, gosh. Oh, gee, golly, gosh. You know, if I just keep on, if I just keep on pretending like I'm just all shucks, you know, I'm just one of the guys from Scranton, you know, uh, Ride the Amtrak, and I, I do all the, I'm on the choo-choo, you know, just lunch pale Joe, just showing up to D.C. for over 40 years working in the Senate, but, you know, don't worry about any of that, I'm, I'm just like you. They figure that if Joe can keep that charade up, it means that the criticism against him will be somewhat muted, but here's how it goes when Joe decides to get off script, get away from his handlers, and actually answer some questions. Thank you. Which one, which one of the 12 I've had? You guys are bad. I'm not supposed to be answering all these questions. I'm supposed to leave, but I can't resist your questions. Um, uh, I, I came away uh, encouraged. And, but I want to make it clear to you. I'm encouraged not just because of a solid meeting with... Um, with uh, the uh, Republican leader in the House and with, uh, with Mitch or Senator McConnell, who I've known a long, long time and worked with. I've been meeting with bipartisan leaders for a long time now. I've met with gosh knows how many. I mean, and there's more than one single group. There's bipartisan organi- you know, groups made up of 10 to 20 members. There's been groups that I, I met with, uh, for example, I met with yesterday with Kristen Cinema. I thought that was a, and she purported, and I believe her, to speak for some of the bipart her, her friends who are. Does this sound like the leader of the free world to you? I mean, does this sound like a person who has a, a vision for the country and has the, the dynamism and the leadership skills 
to take us through some stormy times, because I got to tell you, I think we're heading into those stormy times right now. It should be easy for Biden and this administration, relatively speaking. I know being president, the hardest job in the world. I actually don't think that's true. You know, those guys that do the fishing off the coast of Alaska. Well, if you're like me and you get seasick, that's that's got to be the hardest job in the world. That's just brutal beyond words. I don't know how anybody does that, honestly. I know they make pretty good money, but to me, it's just unthinkable. That's the hardest job. Anyway, we always hear the presidency is the hardest job. All Joe Biden and the Democrats really had to do here. All they had to do was get out of the way of the American people, the American economy. But they have an authoritarian Democrat socialist view. They have emotionally and psychologically internalized the idea, the central premise that the government always needs to be doing something to make everything better whether it's the economy or the fight against COVID or whatever it may be, that government action is always the answer and you need more of it, just like you need more government spending. You know, they've got a fever and the only prescription is more government spending, as we've already seen. And this results in some pretty obvious but bad stuff. The inflation that's already taking up, the, the challenges that are, are already apparent with what should be a boom in the economy. We should be rocking and rolling with the economy. Instead, people are really worried. You know, gas prices, they're trying to hide behind the fact that, yes, the colonial pipeline cyber attack that has occurred here has, we don't even know what that's going to do to gas prices. We just know that there are gas lines, that it's a disaster, that it's it's a very... Uh, unfortunate circumstance for those folks in the southeastern United States who currently can't get fuel for their vehicles. Uh, but we all we know that the gas prices were already going up across the country well before this. About 50 percent increase in the average gas price is what I've seen for last month in April. That's really substantial. Gas prices are flying up per gallon and it's attributable. You can see it. It's attributable to Biden policies, Biden approach, the printing of money and just the generally anti uh, anti fossil fuel mania that motivates so much of the Democrat Party today. But but here's Biden again, unscripted, off the cuff. I gotta gotta answer some more questions. So here I am, you know, no joke, folks. I just I just want to answer more questions. No, no joke both sides of the aisle about how to deal how to go forward with infrastructure so i'm generically i'm encouraged that there is room to have a compromise on a bipartisan bill that's solid and significant and a means by which to pay for it without dropping all of the uh all of the burden on um on middle class and working class people look What's the one thing people are concerned about with the gas? Gasoline. Prices going up. Exactly right. Yeah. What's the what's the one thing, you know, the price the price of the gas g- goes up. It's what goes up must must come down, but not when I'm in office, because it's just gonna keep going up. And it matters if you make forty thousand dollars a year. It matters. If you're a two-family person that making eighty, ninety thousand dollars, two family, two wage earners, it matters. 
And what I don't want to do, and this will be another discussion we didn't get into today, is how to pay for it. And if everything is paid for by a user fee, well, then, you know, the burden falls on working class folks who are uh, who are having trouble. We're, we're, we're getting them out of the they're coming around. But it has this has to be a burden shared across the spectrum. Anyway, yeah, it's got to be shared, shared across the spectrum. Yeah. Good old Amtrak Joe. Yeah, he's, he's got he's got you on his mind. Sure, he does. Yeah, I know the whole pretense, the whole Biden routine gets very old very quickly, doesn't it? It's the same thing all the time. You know, I'm just here for the folks. You know, I'm just here for the working class folks. You know, Joe Biden has a three million dollar mansion, I think, in Delaware that he lives in. His house in D.C. Uh, in the past was a twenty thousand dollar a month rental, and it was actually in McLean, Virginia, I think it was. Uh, he he's worth you know fifteen million dollars, something like that. The guy has never had to worry about a mortgage payment in his life because the guy's been working as a, as a senator for decades now. They make a decent salary. And he's got plenty of other ways to pad his income, as you know, books, speaking engagements, that kind of stuff, which is really just the way that corporate America, in a lot of cases, launders money to politicians. That's right. What do you think they were doing with Hillary Clinton? Hello, Hillary. Remember her? She's still out there somewhere lurking. She's not done. I'll still be president. Hillary still thinks that she has a chance. Don't think that she doesn't. She's just waiting for the opportunity. But anyway, uh, what do you think all those $150,000 an hour speeches were about? I think it's because people really love hearing Hillary's voice so much. I mean, you know, my impersonation of it really captures the essence, if not an exact likeness of her voice. And it was a, a way for companies to get in good with somebody they thought was going to be a future president of the United States. Well, Joe Biden's had plenty of ways to make money. His son has had plenty of ways to make money. That's right. Hunter Biden, as we know. But I, I just I, I can't stand this this populism bullcrap that he's pulling here. Because, you know, if it matters when there's higher prices, if, if it matters when there's, um, you know, uh, more pain at the pump for American workers, his policies and the decisions that the Democrat left are making are what's causing those problems. Right. They bemoan issues, whether it's they don't talk about crime very much because they haven't figured out how to spin it, really. But. You know, they, they either on crime. What they do is they just distract. They talk about cops and and police violence when they should be talking about how to stop violence in cities across the country from continuing to rise. Uh, but with the economy, it's just always emotion. It's oh, you know, I feel your pain. I mean, that's that's what they do with economic activity. But what they should or economic policy, what they should be saying is, wow, we are managing to stall out. I mean, the economy is on a launch pad because we have an artificial government created recession as a result of covid and the lockdowns. It's ending. We should see a boom and we'll probably see, you know, expansion and GDP growth and everything. But it's not going to be what it should be, not even close because of Biden. And once that boom goes, you know, or rather once that that phenomenon plays out, I think it's going to be not much of a boom. Then you'll see the real impact of the inflation and the other challenges here. So this is this is my my concern. Biden is just he's not up for it, folks. He never was. Ain't no party like a team buck party because a team buck party don't stop. It's time for roll call. 
Roll call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to email us. Producer Mark, though, before we get to the roll call, there's something that we have to share with everybody. Something truly amazing. Something mind-blowing in all the worst possible ways. Would you please share with everybody Bill de Blasio trying to entice, trying to seduce New York into getting vaccinated. Get vaccinated? Um, I got vaccinated. You're saying I could get this? These delicious fries? Wait a minute. But there's also a, a burger element to this. Let me, let me check with Bill Neidhart. Is it too early in the day to eat a burger? No. This could be breakfast? Okay. I want you to look at this and think about, again, some people love hamburgers, some don't. really want to respect all ways of life. But if this is appealing to you, just think of this when you think of vaccination. Mmm. Vaccination. Mmm. <laughs> I'm getting a very good feeling about vaccination right this moment. I've never been so uh, disgusted at the notion of having a medical procedure of any kind done to me. Mark, why is he so gross? Why is the mayor of New York so horrible? The, the video is even better. Just search it on Twitter if you want to see it. Uh, for the listeners, I don't know, Buck, if you've seen it yet, but he's oh. literally just shoving the burger down his face. How, how did Shake Shack approve this? Even Shake Shack will be, you know, I'm sure there's a their uh, left-leaning company, but still, nobody wants Bill de Blasio shoving one of their burgers down their mouth. Um, this is what you can do when you're vaccinated. It's just so crazy. Oh, gosh. He's such a de Blasio, you, you barbarous savage, you. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. That guy is the worst. It really is the worst. And, Producer Mark, I'm going to tell you something else that I got to share with you right now because I'm telling you this... Uh, I'm telling you this in, in, in real time, buddy, okay? As you know, um, I live pretty high up in New York. Uh, my, my apartment, while very small, is, is pretty, pretty high up in the sky, which the only nice thing is that while I'm doing radio all day long, it feels like I at least have some pretty good views. But right now, I am, as I talk to you, I am staring at a, because uh, there's another, it's a tall building near me, and it's right, it's right next to me. And there is uh, clearly a guy, one of my neighbors in the next building over, who thinks that it's only office buildings, which are basically all empty right now around him because he is wandering around his rooftop, but naked. And now his, his leg, <laughs> oh gosh, his leg oh. out and sunbathing. And I'm like, I'm not trying. I'm obviously not trying to look at it. All, I, I can't see any detail other than when his back is turned. Like, he's far enough away that I, you know, I can't really see anything. But when his back is turned, the rear view makes it, very, <laughs> makes it very clear that he is going full moon here, buddy. You know, he's giving us the full... We're, get, we're getting both, uh, both cheeks view from, the, uh, from the, the elevated position I'm in. Oh man, that I don't know. Sound pleasant. Yeah, you know, it's like one of these things you can't unsee. I mean, like, it was. I I thought just by the way 
you know, he went up there and I'm like, this guy, is he about to do the, the is he about to start naked sunbathing on his roof? Because, you know, and, and he's got a little dog that's following him around, too. Anyway. Yep. Is this a private rooftop? Like, there's got to be other yes, people. Yes, yes, yes. It. No, he, it's it's like the penthouse of a nearby building oh, okay. and it's private. So he thinks that because there really are, there's only a couple of buildings around that are taller than his building. And so he's like Mr. Penthouse guy with the outdoor roof deck thing. And the other two buildings are commercial office buildings and like no one's in them. But I'm in my building and I got to tell you, I didn't need to see what I just saw. All right. I'm just putting it out there. Cover up, buddy. You know, tan lines aren't the end of the world. That uh, sounds like one of the worst parts of living in Manhattan, though. I can't believe I can't imagine it's very common. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a remarkable circumstance. I mean, I'll just tell you, either he's either. No, no, it's I was going to say maybe he's wearing a flesh colored bathing suit. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't think so. I think he's going to have to wait until he turns around. Buck. Yeah. Oh gosh, I can't. No, no, but I can't see the front view. You know that I can't really. But I. But the the cheeks from behind are pretty apparent. So I'm. By the way, just for everyone, I'm not looking at this anymore. I'm just. I was. I saw for a second. Here I am doing a radio show, trying to be a professional, and you know, just folks. This is a PSA. If you're in your yard or whatever, just understand your sight lines. You know what I'm saying. You know, if if you want to avoid tan lines, I know we all want more outdoor time. Just know your lines of sight from your neighbors because, you know, we we need to be civilized. We need to be civilized. Yeah, people. There are some people who can walk around naked. They look good enough to do that. Then there's people like me and you who should yeah, not no, do I'm, that. I'm not a new guy. beach guy. Yeah. I mean, have you? I will. A true story, Bruce and Mark. This is when the this is when the confessions come out on the show. I have been to a nude beach. I did not go nude. I was like, no, nah, not happening. Not happening. Yeah, they're very common in Europe. I, I've been to a nude beach. I did not go. I was like, I, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I just, it's not, it wasn't, keep it, there are other, there were other people wearing bathing suits. It was clothing optional kind of a beach, you know? Because I feel like if everybody else is going, is going uh, nude beach, th- then you're like the weirdo who actually has a bathing suit on. You know what I mean? I don't think Um, I could ever bring myself to do that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, and then what was my other uh, my other observation on this? Believe it or not, there is a there are um, still athletic clubs that are in New York City where they have nude swimming in the pool. It's true. There are Hmm. a couple of them left. Uh, There used to be a lot of them when I this is the New York Athletic Club. When I was growing up, uh, you some of the adults would would swim sans uh, clothes because it was kind of in part of the spa and everything else. They would they would go uh, they would swim in the in the Olympic sized pool there. Anyway, I don't know how we started talking about nudity so much today, but it is you know. Well, I know I do know because I got the full moon as I'm trying. I'm trying to do a high quality, family friendly radio show. And I don't need these kinds of visual distractions in New York City, sir. I will have you know. So. More reasons to move to Florida. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, you know, there you get a lot you, of uh, a lot of people walking around that, you know, they don't wear a lot of clothing. And you're like, wow, you must work out, you know? Yeah, but at least they work out and look good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. At least, you know, here in New York, we get a lot of people like me who are pasty, you know, and spend a lot of time at a desk. 
All right, let's get into actual roll call now before I continue to uh, go down this uh, go down this rabbit hole here. Um, we have uh, we, producer Mark. We, we're just going to expect going forward that you will give us any update on Mark's Mark's moving uh, trials and tribulations because my my theory here is that moving is something that everybody it's it's one of those things that is sucks so much that moving we can all relate to it. You know, true. And yeah. I would and, love and you, to know when I'm moving to Buck. That it's news to me at this point. Yeah, we know it's we know it's going to happen soon. We know it's going to happen soon. Um, and I just picture Mrs. Mark like pointing at things and saying like, "Move that," and you're like, "Okay, honey," you know, because that's the way it would be for me. So, yeah, hundred percent. That's that's yeah. how that works. All right, Sal. First up here. Hey, Buck. Checking in again. I've got two questions for you in regards to Liz Cheney. I have problems with her ego and obvious power grab. But other than that, I think it's important to realize how often she voted alongside Trump, which Stefanik hardly ever did. Liz has infuriated me with her hypocrisy and what should be done with her? Uh, on to question two. In my mind, I believe the Democrats will fully federally legalize marijuana to try and create an influx of money to pay for all the trillions of dollars they seem to spend every month. Am I crazy? Or do you think that is likely? Looking forward to the Siege of Malta Part 2, Shields High. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, uh, a couple things here. First of all, um, her hypocrisy, yes, I understand. And Stefanik, I do believe that with, with Stefanik, there's a, a, a big... Look, we talked about it on the show today. There's a big concern. I mean, she's not particularly conservative. She says good things about Trump, but her voting record is pretty, uh, pretty weak centrist. Uh, so that's and that's not what we want for the leadership within the GOP. Uh, Democrats fully federalize, uh, fully legalizing marijuana at the federal level. Um, do you think that's likely? I, I look, I think Democrat, I think they probably could do it. I, I think that the country is ready for it. I think that federally legalizing uh, marijuana could could happen and um yeah that's what i would say i think that federally legalizing marijuana uh is something that is likely to happen and and it yeah so that that's for real i think that could happen. will that pay no the federal so here's the thing about legalizing marijuana marijuana is not that hard to grow not that i know all right before anybody goes whoa book Hey, man, I just like to grow all the weed. My producer Mark and I are just like making all the, you know. No, we don't. We're not weed guys here. Um, but it's not hard to do. And so when the if you're not going to go to prison for growing marijuana, a lot of people are going to be growing marijuana. So and then that means it's not going to really be taxable. Right. Think about it. It's it's one thing like like my parents uh, will grow you know, they'll grow like tomato vines and herbs in their little patio garden. Um, and, and you know, that's what that's nice. And it's, you know, very it's nice to do. and It's fun and it's tastes good. But, you know, weed is very expensive. I mean, if you could, if you were somebody who really wanted marijuana and you could grow it and save yourself hundreds and hundreds of dollars by doing it, depending on how much weed you smoke, I guess uh, people will do it. So I don't think that it's the huge uh the, the, you know, it's not going to pay for the trillions of dollars of spending nowhere even near that. I mean, we're not even in the universe of that. Uh, as for Siege of Malta Part 2, yes, planning to tape it this weekend. That is the plan, Sal. So now I'm hoping to deliver on that. All right.
right. Well, it's two weekends in a row that uh, the plan was to record Siege of Malta. Wait, what? So two weekends in a row that your plan was to record part two. Yes, it's an ex- it's an extensive plan. I'm just I'm backing up the listeners. A lot of people really right. No, I understand, so. but you know it's kind of like the siege itself, producer Mark, which had a tremendous unpredictability and went longer than expected. You know, I'm just uh, if I publicly shame you for it, you actually do it. So that's what I'm that doing. I'm helping the listener. That is true. Yes, Mark. Mark is the listener's ombudsman. Um, by the way, I'm actually I actually am starting to th- I'm actually starting to think that uh, that rooftop man is wearing like a like like a a pink mankini. Anyway, I'm not, but I'm not looking. What? I'm not looking. I'm just uh, anyway. All right, I'm, I'm not. Lo- I I caught it. I'm trying to look at my computer, and it just sort of you know it just was you know it's right. this guy's walking around. He's Mark. He's right in my field of vision. Here's I don't what, know what you're to gonna say. do. You're gonna go across the street, call in, and finish the show that way, and we'll do an interview with the guy. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, buddy, we think you're the naked rooftop guy. Welcome to a nationally syndicated radio show. Yeah. Are you actually naked, or are you just wearing a uh, a very uh, a very small bathing suit as a guy? That's, it could be either one. All right, um, where 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 the heck were? We? Oh no, we're going to come back and do more roll call here in just a second. Don't go anywhere. All right, continuing with roll call, ready to finish things up here. Let's get to it. Uh, we have our friend. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jeremiah Buck, I agree with you hundred percent about Trump not running in 2024. I like the guy and he was a great president. He proved that low tax free market economic values and strong America first foreign policies work. I also loved how he fought back instead of backing down like Republicans usually do, but unfortunately he's now damaged goods. I believe he turned off a lot of people before the election with his abrasive personality and turned off even more with his post-election actions, especially after January 6th. Uh, Whether he was right and justified is irrelevant. Enough people turned their backs on him after that. I don't think he can recover. He needs to use his clout and power to get behind someone younger and with maybe a little more tack. Thanks, Buck and producer Mark. Love the show. Shields high. Uh, yeah, Jeremiah, you know, I, I just I don't think Trump is going to run for a variety of reasons. I think that the age factor and, and also I just think that, you know, the possibility of think about what he look, he gave us four years and a political movement. I think now we take the movement and we build on it and we take it to the next level. If we lose, you know, we lost when he was an incumbent. That's one thing. If we lose while he's an incumbent and then we lose again a reelection effort. Uh, that is going to be something that really stains his legacy. And I think people would rightly have real questions about that. So that's kind of where I am on it. All right. Um, Alex. Hey, Buck and Mark. There are two questions I have. Right around when Biden was elected, you thought he was going to resign before the midterms. I agreed with you. But now he seems a lot more coherent than I thought he'd be. And I'm having doubts that he will resign. Second. Do you still think that DeSantis will run for president and win after Trump had said he is 100 percent considering running and will consider DeSantis as a vice? Thank you for reading. Keep doing a great job. Bye. Um, Or great job, guys. Uh, Alex. Yeah, look, Biden's probably he's going to make it through the midterms in office. And and uh, that, that I think that's not a surprise at all. I do think that. 
he is um, not going to want to run for re-election. And he has even said stuff like that himself in the past. So that that doesn't seem to me to be as, as a stretch at all. So we'll continue to uh, to do what we can here. We'll continue to focus in on what what's l- likely to happen with this Biden administration and try to be early on the trends. But yeah, I don't know, man. No one, as I was telling you, nobody can predict the future. Nobody knows. So everybody, please pass the buck. Tell a friend, sh- share the show with them. Text or email is best. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you, send, you can uh, download and share the Buck Sexton show. Please do. Back tomorrow, same time and place. Shields high.